yes people it is another week which means it's time for echoes from the void and um yeah not a load of news this week but we do have some juicy stories people um i think one of the big things that jump out right so in the UK, we got a chain called Marks and Spencers, and th- for years, for years, they've been selling sweets called Midget Gems, right? That was the name. It was just like these little, um, it's like a little biscuit with um, like a, 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 a crispy, sugary thing on top you know they're all right you can't eat too many at a time you know what i mean um oh no that's not midget gems no they're just gelatine yeah no i'm i don't know what i'm thinking of huh huh no these are just like um you know kind of like jelly babies a similar thing right but yeah, these have been around for a long time. A long time. They've changed the name. <laughs> right? This is where things are just so ridiculous, right? So ridiculous. But people have said, right? And this is an academic supposedly started this off, right? A Dr. Erin Pritchard who um, teaches at the Liverpool Hope University. He argued the word midget was a form of hate speech. Like midget means small, right? Just because, yes, people have used it, right? In reference to small people, but it actually has a meaning to it. Right, it's like retard. Retard isn't a, an evil word, it is a medical term. Retardation is a medical term which was used at times, you know, what I mean? to talk about people of diminished capacity. But there are actual legitimate uses for the words, so it's insane to remove certain words and go, oh, it's, it, oh, it's evil, it's evil. It's like there are so many other words that we use in, uh, you know, in different ways, right? It, it, to, to, I mean, we say pussycat, right? Pussycat. But you also uh, use the term pussy to talk about vagina. You mean? So... That would be like, oh, you can't call a cat a pussycat anymore because oh, it, it's belittling of women. Right? It's stupid. It is the, the stupidest thing. I was Marks and Spencers. I'd have told this fool to shut up. Because I would say, now, I might be wrong. I might be wrong, people. It, it doesn't happen a lot. But this Pritchard is a wastrel. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's 
he's he's got no legitimate research he's probably looking to add a little clout to his name so he comes out with this fucking dog shit diatribe you know it, it, it is ridiculous Right, so um, yeah, Marks and Spencer's uh, midget gems are now called a mini gems, right? And you know, again, <laughs> small people have been called mini. So are you going to say that's offensive? Small people, small little people, small. Right, anything that references a slight of stature thing has, I'm sure, been thrown at someone with a, a form of dwarfism, you know? So, what do you want? <laughs> what do you want? I mean, they weren't called Rumpelstiltskin gems, <laughs> you know what I mean? It wasn't. So, yeah, it, it, it's it's just stuff like this that is ridiculous, and it creates this just uh, rancid society where people think, oh, I, my feelings are hurt when they're not really, but my feelings are hurt. So that means everyone like me is offended by this thing, which is never the case. It's never the case, man. You know, it, it, it's ridiculous, <sighs> but it just, you know, it shows the decay of common sense, people. The decay of common sense is nigh. But with that, let's get into other cases of stupidity that have been going down this week, shall we? <laughs> Well, people, the government is, um, man, it's all going a bit pear-shaped for them at the moment. Although, this, it looks like they're still getting, you know, off with shit. So, like, there is these weird little processes. And to be fair, they happen in organizations, because I can tell you now. The NHS do a similar thing, right? So the government has this VIP lane, right? Um, which, I, I mean, it's actually, uh, uh, what do they call it? Um, you know, they call it a uh, fuck. It's like um, high value referrals, right? Which is, it's all shysty, right? Because essentially, it is them MPs referring their friends, right? Which is, you know, it's, it's essentially like, right, US presidents, how they will put certain things through, work with, and, and, and you know, other politicians put certain things through, and then they get paid by that same organization once they retire to go and do speeches, right? It, it's all a level of corruption. It really is. But they do this thing. And so when COVID hit and people needed PPE, 
they you know they took on these two companies to do it and boy these companies got paid a good chunk of cash ola people Woo! they really fucking did right um yeah so there was the department of he- department of health and social care um yeah they handed out these contracts uh and because these companies oh man one was paid 340 million right that was pest fix and then ayanda capital got 252 million right and ayanda capital is a hedge fund so you know they already got monies man but so this was all brought to court, right? Um, uh, the good law project and every doctor, you know, they took legal action against this. And so it went to the high court. Went to the high court. But here's the thing, right? The judge has said that, yeah, it's shysty, right? Said it's shysty said it was unlawful to give the companies preferential treatment. But then the judge also said, she said, oh, they probably would have got the contracts anyway, which not really a thing a judge can make a, you know, statement on. You don't fucking know that, right? And also saying that, Oh, just because they got preferential treatment by being fast-tracked, that didn't necessarily mean they were going to get the project, which that in itself is bullshit. I'll tell you that now, because as I said, in the NHS, right, you have a list of suppliers and you can only use these suppliers. Most of those suppliers are friends of, you know, directors, the CEO, all of that jazz, and you are told, there's, if these people don't have what you need, right, you can try and bring someone new in, it's all a palaver, but they will push back on you, oh, no, surely you can use that, they always want to give their buddies money, and the money the you know these people charge it's always more than you know you normally would pay for this thing it's absurd you know it is a real uh, flagrant abuse of power and waste of money but yeah they they let it go all the time which is insane it's insane but yeah it happens Now, something that's even crazier. So, uh, Boris Johnson has got himself into trouble after being photographed in pictures showing parties at Downing Street, right? So, these were in 2020, right? In May 2020 as well. Right, so he attended a garden party, right, and 
The funny thing about this is because this was when everyone was being ordered to stay home and you know you if you go out you are killing doctors and nurses you are killing old people right you had these sanctimonious politicians all stating this telling people oh you can't celebrate your birthday no you can't get a haircut you should work from home you should all of this but you know unsurprisingly they weren't practicing what they preached <laughs> i mean it's it's really not a shock right because they are a bunch of scumbags you know so the, the funny thing is, right, obviously you've got, uh, you know, the sycophant all trying to bail him out. But then you've got other people, right, like um, Douglas Ross, who's the Scottish Tory leader. You know, William Ragg, Caroline Nooks, right, they, they've been saying... Hey, you gotta go. And you know, right? Johnson sacked his buddy, Dominic Cummings, right? The Scottish PM sacked the, the, the Scottish health minister who was caught going out, right? During the same period. You know, so technically, yeah, they're kind of right, right? Because if other people had to quit their jobs because of it. Surely the head of fucking state should. Now, what is hilarious, what is hilarious is the excuses, right? The excuses that are being, you know, thrown around for why he, he should, you know, he, it happened. <laughs> it, it's insane. It is insane. Uh, you know, saying that uh, people calling for him to quit are uh, people who are always unhappy. That's what Jacob Rees-Mogg, the Weasley little toad, has said which is just, you know, unsurprising, right? <laughs> unsurprising. Ugh. Yeah, and, and saying things like, um, you know, uh, getting rid of him is just, you know, giving more leverage to the nationalists and the SNP. It's just like, shut up. Like every time these people get caught doing the complete opposite in which they're telling everyone else, right? Because this on the flip, I don't believe people should get fired for things, right? It's kind of crazy. Now, you know, a slap on the wrist may be a fine, but to lose your livelihood now. When it comes to politicians, kind of fuck them because they're making money hand over fist with their dirty little insider dealings and other shenanigans. So it's a bit of a different thing. But 
you know, yeah, I don't really feel people lose their jobs. But when you have been at the forefront of championing other people losing their jobs for the same thing, right? It would be off key for you not to have that same fate, right? And if you don't, you should re-employ and reimburse all the people that you made quit. That's what should fucking happen. But yeah, they're saying that, you know, it was socially distanced, which it wasn't, right? <laughs> which it wasn't. And they're also saying that, you know, they, they thought it was a work do, right? Which is just like, shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? Stop it. Like, we all know what is work dues and what isn't. Like, every, like you, you can't pretend to be like, oh, I didn't, oh, I didn't know. Oh, I, I thought it was this. And now, the only time you could get caught if it's, he's throwing, someone's throwing you a surprise party. Otherwise, you are a dirty fucking liar. <laughs> Um, he's saying, oh, with hindsight, I should have sent everyone, you know, in indoors and all of this. He's like, shut up. Shut. There's no hindsight because, as I said, at the time, you were telling the nation to stay home. So, you know what I mean? To be like, if it was early days of March, you'd be like, yeah, I kind of get it. No one really knew. But in May... Fuck you, you grimy little cunt. And actually, talking about grimy little cunts, right? Hey, let's talk about fucking Prince Andrew. <laughs> you know what I mean? That Weasley little pedophile. Um, yeah, it's funny, right? So I mean, it's bullshit anyway, because these royals get given these weird military titles for not really doing fuck all. You know, so, yeah, his military titles have been returned to the queen, it says. <laughs> and and his royal patronages, you know, so... um. I, I mean, that would kind of assume you no longer call him Prince Andrew, right? They're saying that you can't call him Royal Highness in an official capacity anymore. But then that also means no prince, you know? It, it, it's uh, the pedophile formerly known as. <laughs> that, that, I mean, that's, that's what you should call him. Right. Um, yeah, it's all stemming from the, you know, the, the pedo island situation and everything like that. Well, but the thing is, though, if you're giving back all these, that's basically saying you're guilty. Right. Because if I did nothing, I did nothing wrong. I'd be like. Fuck you. I like, listen. No one's found me guilty, so I ain't doing shit. You know what I mean? You want it from me, Queenie. You come fight me. You know, that is what, you know, I feel an innocent person would say. But 
the fact that these toadies get called like the Duke of York, right? It, it's just like you're you're not a fucking you didn't earn that in wars, in conflicts, right? Like it's like these weirdos that get given, you know, um doctorates from universities and schools and colleges they never attended. <laughs> Right, and for courses they never did. It's just like, wait, what are we doing? What the fuck is this? But yeah, I find this weird that all of this is taken away, but you're still saying that he's a thing, right? Because it's just like, no, <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you're not. Like, if you're giving all of this shit back, then you're, you're basically saying that, yeah, you're a piece of shit and you're guilty, right? That's what I feel it is, man. That's what I feel it is. Now, let's end on this one, because this is very interesting, right? So, uh, you know, Facebook rebranded. So now they're being called Meta, which is you know, ridiculous, but the FTC is uh, suing, suing them, right, on antitrust rules, and I definitely feel that, yeah, this is justified, right, so the thing is, it's a brown competition, you know, because when certain companies get too big, right, you get sued because you own the market, right? No one is allowed to compete because you control everything. And what they're saying, because Facebook, aka Meta, they own Instagram and WhatsApp. So what you've seen, right, in the past, people get banned off Facebook, banned off Instagram. You know, they're talking about, like, restricting people's access to WhatsApp, and that is just some crazy-ass shit, especially, right, when these things have just become, you know, everyday forms of communication. It would be like to say you're no longer allowed a telephone or broadband in your home. It's been taken away, right? That will completely fuck up, right, the way you go about life, and listen, I know, this is a little hyperbolic to say, you know, not having Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp will fuck up the way you live your life, but firstly, a lot of people text and even make phone calls via WhatsApp, right, you know, Facebook and Instagram is definitely a source of a lot of information, right, you may, however you want to, you know, clarify that information, you might say that it is, you know, not that vital, it's weak information, it's, you know, frivolous, but there's still a lot that gets, you know, distributed over those platforms, so the fact that, yeah, Facebook owns all three, it is a bit shysty, right? 
it is shysty. And the fact that, you know, they, they want to try and claim that it's not. <laughs> you know what I mean? That they don't systematically, you know, eliminate competition. It's kind of bullshit, right? It's a lie. <laughs> you know, like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about, people? So I would definitely be intrigued to see how this goes down. Because we've seen, you know, companies be, you know, we've seen mergers be disallowed. We've be seen companies told they have to sell off elements of themselves. So, if like, technically, when you look at it, you think, how could Facebook win this? Right? I don't really see how they could, but, <laughs> but it's all about the mighty dollar, right? It's all about the mighty dollar. So it wouldn't surprise me that certain palms are being greased. You know what I mean? Certain little chocolate starfish are being licked. Because, yeah, when you've got a whole heap of money, like Zuckerberg and co, they don't want to lose. I mean, they don't want to lose. So, uh, yeah, it's intriguing. But, people, that is it. That's the news this week. Let's get into some other stuff, shall we? All right, people, hold tight. Let's go. So, I decided to check out season one of A Discovery of Witches, right? Something that I normally wouldn't have done, you know what I mean? Because I did start, I did start the book, right? Because this is an adaptation of Deborah Harkness's, um, oh God, what's the name of the friggin' trilogy i think it's the all saints trilogy right um and discovery of witches was the first book and i remember trying it because I, I feel all souls trilogy my bad it was in a sale on audible so i was like all right let me i was looking for some stuff to listen to and I started it, and it just, oh, it irritated the fuck out of me. So, yeah, didn't finish the book. But, so here's the thing. I, I decided to give the series a look because, like, Shudder showed me stuff to, to, to kind of review and stuff like that. And season three is just starting, and they sent it to me. And I was like, well, I don't know what this is. I can't start season three if I haven't done the others. And then I was like, oh, they're on now TV. So let me dip my foot in. Right. And I thought, boom, I'll catch up, do a little, you know, breakdown of the first two and then get into season three. That ain't happening. <laughs> that ain't happening. Whoo. Because I did season one, and I do not want to do any more, right? Um, so, yes, as mentioned, you know what I mean? It, it's an adaptation. 
So this was written by Kate Brook, Tom Farley, Charlene James, and Sarah Dollard. It's directed by Juan Carlos Medina, Alice Troughton, and Sarah Walker. It's um, music is composed by Rob Lane. Um, it's executive produced by Deborah Harkness, Jane Tranter, Ashley Farah, and Julie Gardner. It's produced by Edardo Fratiti. Uh, cinematographer was Petra Corner. Uh, the episode's about 45 minutes, right? Season one had eight episodes. Um, I feel after that, I think they went to 10, but, you know, who cares? Um, our cast. Okay, so the cast, we've got Diana Bishop, who's played by Teresa Palmer. Um, we have got Matthew Good, who plays Matthew Claremont, who is... Like her love interest, right? Um, Claremont has got his <sighs> colleague son who is uh Marcus Whitmore, played by Edward Blanell, and his son in the vampiric sense. Okay, uh, right, we've got, um, gosh, who else is there? Uh, another colleague of Matthews is Miriam Shepard, played by Aisha Hart. Um, uh, there's Sarah Bishop. Diane's aunt, and she's played by Alex Kingston. Um, her partner, Emily Maffer, is played by Valerie Pettiford. Right. Um, we then have uh, Peter Knox. He's a high-ranking member of the congregation. He's played by Owen Teal. Um... He brings a new witch into the congregation, right? Who's called Satu Jarveen, played by Maylene Buska. Um, Diane's friend is Gillian Chamberlain. Um, they're kind of academic colleagues at Oxford. She's played by Louise Breeley. Uh, who else do we have? Hmm. Um. Do, uh, Matthew's mother, uh, Yisbe de Clermont, who's played by Lindsay Duncan. Um. Do, 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 do. Mm. Man, um, 
feel that's kind of maybe the main. I don't know. I think I think that's some of the main people. Um, oh, there's Hamish Osborne, who's a demon. He's played by Greg McHugh. Um, Agatha Wilson, she's the de the head of the demons kind of thing. Um, she's played by Tanya Moody. Uh, Nathaniel Wilson, Agatha's son, played by Daniel Ezra. Um, his girlfriend, Sophie Wilson, played by Aisling Loftus. Um, hmm. Yeah, I think wife, girlfriend, wife, one of the two. Uh, oh, there's, um, oh, yes, Juliet Durand, who is played by Alicia Johnson. Um, and her, gosh, what would you call her sire? Uh, Gilbert de Arlique, right? Who's played by Trevor Eve. Um, yeah, I feel that's the oh, Domenico Michel, a vampire played by Greg Chillin. Baldwin de Clermont is played by Tristan Gravel. Um, you know, Matthew's brother, as it were. We get flashes of Diane's mum, Rebecca, played by Sophia Mills, um, and her dad, Stephen Proctor, played by David Newman. Um, oh, and Matthew's mother has a, I don't know, a companion? I don't even know. Her name's Martha. She's played by Sorka Kuzak. Um, yeah, I'd say that's basically it. All right, so the premise is this. Diana Bishop, a historian and reluctant witch, unexpectedly discovers a bewitched manuscript in Oxford's uh, Bodleian Library. This discovery forces her back into the world of magic in order to unravel the secrets it holds about magical beings. She is offered help by a mysterious genalist, genalist, like he fucks with genes, right? That's, that's his kind of expertise. And vampire Matthew Claremont, despite a long-held mistrust between vampires and witches, they form an alliance and set out to protect the book and solve the mysteries hidden within while dodging threats from the creature world. So, yes. There you have it, people. 
Um, yeah. So we kind of open up with Diane giving a lecture. And of course, everyone loves it, right? And she's, you know, approached about a new job at Oxford. And it just does that thing where, it, you know, because that's what happens. People do lectures and things like that, but they want to set it up like she is, you know, the, the best in her field and, you know, just all this jazz. So it's that. Like, and like, she's a witch, but she doesn't want to be a witch. But her expertise is alchemy, which is just a little on the nose. You know what I mean? Like, listen, if you want to character, like, set your character up and have them be like, oh, they don't want a part of this world, could have had them do anything else but alchemy. You know, it is just whatever. And one day, you know, she wants to, she's doing her research and she asks for a book, which kind of triggers all this stuff, right? Because no one else has been able to find this book. But all of a sudden, she's the one that calls it up into existence, right? Which is just a little bit okay, and it like it it sends a kind of a signal to everyone, all the creatures, the vampires, the demons, the witches, they all sense it, <laughs> and we just have this kind of uh, you know we have this scene where she calls her uh, her grand um parents her aunt sarah right and you know it, it's one of those ones where they're like oh you need to be careful with magic you should train in magic and she's like oh, i don't want i'd want it advice from you and it's just like what are we doing you know what i mean because it's just like listen if you if you didn't want anything from them you wouldn't call them like, you knew what they would say. So it was just this dumb scene trying to create this, like, ah, oh, I'm so reluctant, <laughs> you know? But it was, it's just a little dumb. Just a little dumb. Like, there's other scenes of, you know, we, we see Marcus with a friend who gets run over, right? And the whole running over thing just seemed a bit like, wait, what? You know what I mean? Because it's just like, I mean, he, he, he's crossing the road, but it's like, wait, you'd have heard the car. Like, wh what are you doing? You know what I mean? There was no reason. It was just a weird kind of scene, but they wanted to be like, oh, no, there's trouble, right? Because he tries to turn him, but he can't turn him, and just all of this jazz, right? And, and we see that they're trying to work out, right? There's a problem. There's a problem in the creature world. And so Matthew and his people are trying to study genes and all of this jazz, right? But there's just all of this stuff going down. Um, like, you know, Diane has one friend, one friend who 
like meant to be their best, their kind of best friends, but the friend really does stitch Diana up. But you're like, why? There, there's not really a good reason given. Like we we've got scenes where, you know, like um, someone's telling her, oh maybe she always knew about her powers and she's been using them to advance. You haven't advanced, but it was just a bit like, okay, you're, you know what I mean? You're, you're saying that now, but why did she, you know, go behind her back in the first place? You know what I mean? Like, it's not really established, and that's a weird thing. It's like, we get a lot of things happen throughout the season, but a lot of times you're like, alright, but what the fuck is the reason for that? You know what I mean? They don't really give a lot of explanations, you know, for things. And I wouldn't say you necessarily need them, but just create a situation that's a little bit more plausible, a little bit more believable. Because if you're setting these up as like great friends, but in at the very first chance, she stitches her up. And you're like, I don't know, I don't buy that, man. I don't buy it. Right, if you just kind of had them as acquaintances or, or something, it's a bit more plausible. You feel me? So, yeah, we have all of this, but you, you have like these bits where when they first meet, right? And this was the big thing. When they when Matthew and Diana first meet, they don't really like each other, right? There's this frostiness between them. Which it's all a little, ugh, it's all a little boring. But then, like half a day, maybe something later, they're kind of like, okay, we'll work together, right? And, and it's just a bit like, what? And that's a big thing because there's all these things that go down, and there's things that you kind of feel. All right, for that to work, you'd need a period of time. But there's never, they like, everything just happens very quickly. It's like, oh, you know, Diane needs to know how to use her powers. I will train her. Oh, look, now she knows. You know, and it's all a bit like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's way too fast. I don't, I like... From where she is, supposedly she's got no control. She's never really learned how to do anything. And then all of a sudden, oh, now she can do this stuff. You're like, huh? And, 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 and that's the thing, right? They, they don't give enough time for certain things to breathe. So within like a day it's all i love you i've always loved you and you're like hold the fuck on <laughs> they hate each other and now they're in love right which you're just like nah come on 
come on. Like, if you just had them, like, man, I don't know what it is, but boy, I'm into you. Like, you could have them in lust, right? There's a desire. Fine. Right? And over the course of these three seasons that you, you, you know, the, like, because it's three books, have them maybe fall in love there, but have it like... <gasps> Boom, from the giddy, they're in love. It's just a bit like, oh, God damn it. This is stupid ass shit, man. It's, oh, God damn it. It, it It's just stupid. You know? Like, there, there's a scene when, before all of this, right, because they're still in the distrust phase, and he comes looking for her. Right, like, oh, here's a big, there's one thing. It's a minor detail, but they, they have, like, she's a runner and she rows, right? I think she's a rower. Doesn't have the physique for a rower, right? Doesn't have the, if you are a great, like, you just have, the, you know, it's all in the shoulders. You'd be like, ah, powerful. Not like huge, but you would see it in the shoulders. You would just see it. So it's just like, why have her as a rug? Like, there just seemed no need. There just seemed no need at all to kind of be like, yeah, she rows. She's a great rower. Where it's just like, no. <laughs> like, no. It, you, no one's buying that shit. What are we doing? You know what I mean? It, it was just a weird thing to do, right? But, yeah, so he comes to meet her after she's been out rowing. And he's, he gives us some information, right? She she drops her jumper and he picks it up, right? And there's this whole thing where he then decides to sniff the jumper and that arouses him. He's like, oh, no. Walk past me slowly, right? And it's just like, why is he smelling the Fucking jump like it was just a ridiculous moment. It was a ridiculous moment. You know what I mean? Just what are we doing? Right now, listen, obviously, this is not for me, right? Because it's it's I feel it's classified as a like a romance kind of series. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Which, hey, it's fine. It's fine, right? It's fantasy, drama, romance. So it, I guess if you're a fan of, like, Outlander, is that the show? I feel it is, right? If you liked true romance, true romance? True blood. True blood, right, yes. You know, because they want to... It's like it wants to be a little adult, but it, it it's really not, right? It's just so tame, right? They, they, they keep on having scenes of her, like, in the bath or in the shower. But it's not... And don't get me wrong, right? I'm not like, you gotta, you want to see nakedness or anything like that. But the way they edit it and all of that, it's just like, you know, they're only showing the head, which then begs the reason, 
why even have those sit like it doesn't do anything right it, it's not leading the story anywhere so why are we why right and and then you've got like they they do scenes of them you know like having sex but not really having sex right so it's he throws her on the bed and you know she's still pretty much clothed but then you've kind of got him moved down the body and it's obviously meant to be showing he's eating her out right he's going down on her but it's just like why have we got this scene like what's the point right it, it wants to be racy but they're not racy. It's not racy. It's, it's just <laughs> stupid, right? There's there's a lot of these different kind of moments in where it, you know, I mean, it's kind of trying to get into this whole mythology, but everything seems a bit random. Like it's throwing stuff out there, but it has no real consequence if you haven't read the books, I'm imagining. I imagine... Right, there is, if you've read the books all the way through, not just the first few pages, right? If you've read the books all the way through, I, I imagine everything makes sense, right? And you'll be like, oh, yeah, the congregation. Oh, my God, they're showing the congregation. <gasps> oh, you know what I mean? All oh, these powers. Ah, great. Boom, boom, boom. If you haven't, everything just seems meaningless, right? So, because of that, it means you have no attachment to any of these characters, right? So there's that character, Juliet, who we find something has been engineered to be in love with Matthew and, like, his ultimate desire, something like that. But it's just, like, how? we we never know right and it's it's like she's living with gabert but you know and reluctant to leave but why like we don't know we have no clue and then when that changes it was just through like one conversation and you're like if it was that easy why the fuck didn't she disappear a long time you know what i mean you're just like what huh right this vampire goober he he's enthralled a witch and this other witch you know she kind of she's kind of jumping alliances all the time but still siding with the bad dudes even after like she finds this enthralled witch right sees what he does and he's just like oh you're mean i can't believe you did this but i'm still gonna help you like and you're just like what right this other vampire that brought you know peter knox that brought her into this whole thing he kind of tortures her at one point and she's fighting again. Like, then she kind of backstabs him, but then goes back to work. And you're just like, why would she do this? 
when she's kind of been, that's wrong, that's horrible, you can't do this, bum, bum, bum. Makes no sense, right? So you're just watching it like, I don't know what the fuck is going on here. I, I have no clue. I have no clue. Right? Every episode, every episode starts with this narration, right? Well, what is it? It's like, um, once the world was full of wonders, but it belongs to the humans now. We creatures have all but disappeared. Demons, vampires, witches, hiding in plain sight. <laughs> Ill at ease, even with each other. But as my father used to say, in every ending, there is a new beginning. It's just like, oh, God damn. And you gotta hear that shit every fucking episode it's just like just some nonsensical rambling generic bullshit right the the, the whole demons vampires witches thing that, like they set it up like it's you know segregation racism and it's i just always hate that lazy ass bullshit. Because you know what I mean? So they, they're showing all these inter, you know, racial relationships, these, you know, mixed gender relations, mixed gender, same gender, even. Yeah. I mean, so that makes sense. Same gender relationships. Like, oh no, all this is great. But the real issue is, oh yes. You know, vampires, demons, witches hate each other. Oh, no. And you're just like, what are we doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? You're kind of being like, no, there's no such thing as real racism. This is the real issue. And it's just some lazy shit. Uh, like, oh, we want to talk about race, but we don't want to talk about race. So we're going to cloak it in this. And it's just... Oh, it's just so badly done, so fucking badly done, and it, it just great. It's grating. It's really fucking grating. Right, the other grating thing is, it's when you set up a character like they're the most powerful person, and oh look. They've been, you know, they don't know how to do magic, but they've done this thing that no one's seen in centuries, right? But then the naming of it all, which wind, which fire, <laughs> like which breath, which snow, which, which rain. It's just like, come on, man. Be a little bit more fucking inventive with your names, right? And then just having this one person, like the only person that's been able to do this thing, which flights and just, it was just so frustrating. <laughs> I just found it so frustrating. 
right? And yes, I, I didn't finish the book, but that was the reason because, you know what I mean? I didn't finish the book because, like, it was, it just felt so lazy, right? Just so lazy. And it's just like, oh, I'm reluctant to be a witch. And now I want to be a witch. And, oh, this happened. And, oh, I'm uncovering. Oh, my gosh, I've uncovered this thing that no one, like, Supposedly you've got all these other really powerful witches and demons and vampires. But for some reason, no one noticed that the facts around this murder from years back. And you're like, wait, how the fuck would no, no one else notice this thing? Like, no one else? Even though these other people, like, what are we what are we doing? <sighs> yeah. But here's the thing, people. This show, not for me. It's not made for me. So although, yes, I've got these gripes with it. I did find somebody, I found somebody acting bad, right? I, I mean, let's say the acting bad. Not necessarily bad, but it was just... There's certain scenes where certain emotions are meant to be there, but you just don't feel it. You don't buy it. Right? Like, oh, the Diana meant to be afraid of Matthew at the start. And then, you know, just like suddenly, uh, I love you, Matthew. And you're just like, Ugh. but yeah, it's not for me. This this kind of thing is it's not made for me, right? It's made for the people that love Buffy the Vampire, love, uh, what was the spin? Angel, 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 obviously Angel, right? It's made for that. It's made for the people that love true blood. It's made for the people that love shows like Outlander and just, you know, these kind of things, right? And I, I, look, yeah, I have these issues with it, but because I couldn't get into the story. But if you can immerse yourself in this world, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. You know what I mean? Like, production is pretty decent. You know what I mean? It's pretty decent. So, yeah, it's not necessarily, it's not a bad show. It's just, it's for a specific group of people. You know what I mean? For a specific group of people, and that's not in age, it's just in taste. So if you're a fan of these other kind of genre shows, right? Boom, this is you, baby. This is all you. And yeah, so you know, season one and two, they're out there, and season three is just started right, just started, or it's just about to start, whenever I drop this, who knows, but yeah, so, yeah, if, if that's your bag, people, boom, boom, you've got this, so go, enjoy, and all three books are out, plus, I believe, a prequel, sequel kind of book, so there's, boom, all this material for you just to immerse yourselves into. So, me, Discovery of Witches, nah. But you, you, 
think you could like it if you're yeah, Buffy, Angel, True Blood, Outlander, all them things. You know what I mean? If you love them, then people, Discovery of Witches is going to be for you. So, people, it is finally out. It's finally out and done. I'm talking book 12 of Benedict Jacker's Alex Vera series. So, book 12 is called Risen. And the big thing about this is it's the end. It's the last chapter of this series. And Man, I have thoroughly enjoyed this. I really have, right? It's one of those things where you can get all of these, you know, all of these books, right? 12 books. And you you do find that a, a series can start well, right? The, the first three, sometimes four books are really good. And then it just seems to drop in quality, right? Because the idea is getting stretched, <laughs> properly stretched out. But with this, oh, people, there, there's not that fear. There's not, there's honestly not that fear because every book for me was very good. And we saw all these changes. You know what I mean? Like the, the character went from one thing and he evolved and everything. It was like the um, Marvel Netflix shows, right? Because when you'd watched previous stuff, you know, it's like comic book stuff on terrestrial TV. It doesn't always work for me because, I mean, the stories are like one and done and we don't often see the consequences of previous events really play out. Like a character can get injured and the next episode, they're fine. And you're like, what? But when the Netflix stuff came, man, I just remember Daredevil, right? You saw him get beat up in one episode. He's fucked for like the next five episodes, which was great because it was like, oh, yeah, this feels different. This feels new. And that's, that's like these Alex Virus books, because these events, they impacted the character. They changed the character for the better or the worse. You know, we saw relationships change. It, it, it was all just very fulfilling. So how's it going to end, right? How is it all going to end? Well, this is the gist of the book. Mage Alex Ferris has gone from a Camden shopkeeper to one of the most powerful mages in Britain. Now his last and most dangerous battle lies before him. Alex's girlfriend, the life mage Anne, has fallen, fallen fully under the control of the deadly jinn she made a bargain with. And it is preparing to create an army of mages subject to its every whim. Alex, the council, and the dark mage Richard Drack agree to call a truce 
to their war and plans are made for a joint attack. Alex knows that it's only a matter of time before Drac and the council turn on each other and neither cares about keeping Anne alive. Can Alex figure out a way to stop Anne and to free her from possession before time runs out for the people he loves? Yeah, so, um, you know, uh, a, a lot was going on. And the thing I like is, you know, and we've seen this, the books often start in a place which it, it's not always directly after the last book finished, but in a place where you're like, oh, yes, this makes sense from what we previously read. And also, sometimes it, it starts in the middle of something right, some action and some craziness, so you, you just straight away, you're like, oh, fuck, what's happening, man, where's this going, and that's what we get, right, we're in the midst of shit, but it, it's something that lets us really see where Alex is right now, right, we get the full breadth of his power, right, the changes that have come from the fate weaver and all of this, so you're like, oh, shit, okay, all right, let's go, all right? And, you know, as mentioned, you know, he's trying to save Anne, right, which has been going on for a few books. But, you know, everything has changed. The stakes have risen. And I think we've this whole council and track situation the fun thing about it was like the, the you mean it, it's just there's no trust <laughs> so it, it really makes the story interesting but also i think jacka doesn't fall into that trap where you know I mean? you, you write that story you get it to a place and then like, oh, how do we extricate ourselves from this? Oh, in the last minute, this happens. And it's just like, wait, what? I mean, fine, but basically you had the character dead. And now this, it, it just feels a bit of a cheat. So there's not that. Like, every magical device, you know, all these powers, there are consequences or... You know, it, it, it's like a gauge, you know, so to use the power, you you have to be in this situation or to get the best results. This has to be for it to work. Right. So it creates a better playing field. Right. It, you can't just have someone go, well, I'm going to zap my fingers and this is going to happen. No, it doesn't work like that. And that keeps you interested. Because we then have to find these solutions to get around everything. And also, where you know have characters that lie and backstab, it's not one of those ones where, oh, oh, so that character's turning on you. All right. But surely you would know? Because you, 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 they've done it before. So why wouldn't you? No, no, no. All of that is there. 
right? All of that goes into the planning of things and trying to figure it out. And sometimes it's clear. Sometimes, yeah, you just don't know. Like, but you know there's going to be something coming. So, yeah, it, it, it keeps you gripped all the way through. And you have to pay attention because some things that get, you know, picked up or put in place early on, then that impacts how uh, events go towards the end. And you're like, oh, shit, I nearly forgot about that, right? You know what I mean? Especially certain focuses, people, right? Got to focus on the focuses, right? As it were. So, yeah, man. Ah, it, it, it is definitely a, a really good end to the series. And also, we we do see these consequences to a lot of those actions you know people die right it, and it's not just a situation where ah we're just going to kill a load of mindless people or characters no one knew about no one cares about no people die right big things happen and um yeah you you it, and it's also handled in that way where yeah, there's going to be regrets. There's going to be that oh, reflection on everything. You know, the, 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 you're just like, hey, you know what I mean? This ain't great. Or, well, am I any better? You know, which is, you know, always been a great part of the series because it blurs those lines. You know, between good and evil and all of that jazz. It's not just as simple as that. Or it's one of those things of, you know, this way is perceived as the good guys. You know, all the killing we've done gets justified. But if someone looked at it, are we any better? Are we? You know, so it throws all of these things up, which, yeah, just, you know, makes it a great story. And there, you know, there are definitely bits where you're like, oh no, are you gonna, you're not gonna do that, right? There, there was a moment towards the end where it's just like, wait, are you telling me that all the time that was, and I'm like, I mean, it's clever, but surely that they would have, but no, it doesn't. And you're like, okay, okay, huh. So then how did, and you're just thinking like, how does that work? How does that? And then you get the answer and you're like, oh, fuck, yeah. Yeah. No, that was good. That was well played. Well played, sir. <laughs> yeah, and everything is um, yeah, read extremely well by uh, Gildrant Jackson. Gildart? Gildrant? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, he, he does a very good job, as he has with the, the rest of the series. But, um, yeah, I, I, I was definitely satisfied at the end. And even with, like, you know, the roundup of the aftermath and everything like that and the, the last bit of, like, da -da -da, you're just like, all right, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, no, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. It does kind of leave it in a place where we could get more stories. We could get more stories in this universe, which I wouldn't be adverse to. 
you know, I wouldn't be adverse to because we've had some great characters, you know, and so whether it's standalone stories or a new series, it's fun because we are left in a place where, I mean, there's a lot to clear up, right? There's a lot to clear up and a lot that could come out of all of this, especially changes, you know, potentially with the adepts and just all of that jazz, you know, the, the, now that the, that blurred line between the light and the dark mages. So there is a lot of fertile ground here, people. But uh, if you've enjoyed the previous 11 books, I don't think Risen is going to disappoint you. I think you're going to be satisfied with how this series culminates, where the characters get left at, you know, well, the characters who survive it all, people. You know, and yeah, I think you're going to enjoy it. There's, hey, I very much did. So, um, yeah, audiobook, great, you know, engaging. As I said, Jackson does a, a masterful job. Masterful job. So, yeah, if you're a fan of Benedict Jacker, if you like the Alex Beerus series as a whole, then Risen is going to round it off nicely for you, people. So, yeah, go check it out. Okay, people, so we draw to a close on another episode. But before we bounce, let's take a look and see what's happening in the world of TV. So if you're a fan of Godfather of Harlem, there is good news, people, because Epics has renewed it for a third season. All right, so... um. Yeah, you will be getting more of Nigel Thatch, Lucy Fry, and Tanette Crow Legacy, Ilfeshi Hadera, Vincent de Onofrio, and Forrest Whitaker. So, um, yeah, they're all returning for 10 more episodes. So uh, you have that. You know, um, I think it was in the first year of lockdown, right? In 2020, Netflix brought Shadow and Bone to the screens, right? The adaptation of the, um, uh, it's Lee Bamaji. I mean, it's Lee Bamaji, right? Something like that, right? Her, uh, her book series, her book. You know, it's very popular, it would seem, right? And, uh, yeah, it got renewed for a second season. Eight episodes are coming. And um, a few people have had their roles shifted. So, Danielle Gallagher, Daisy Head, and uh, Callahanna Shogman have all been made series regulars. Um. And Louis Tan, Anna Long Brofui, uh, they've joined the cast along with Tamir Kier Batatar, um, Patrick Gibson, and Jack 
wolf. So, um, yeah, more characters are coming, people. Um, also, if you've been looking forward to the offer, right, the, uh, the limited series that is following the making of the Godfather, you know, Francis Ford Coppola's classic, right? Well, Paramount Plus have said it will be hitting the network on the 28th of April. So there's going to be 10 episodes. Michael Teller is um, the star of the piece. He's playing Al Rudy, the producer of the film. Uh, Dan Fogler is going to be playing Ford Coppola. Matthew Good is the um, head of Paramount, Robert Evans. Bum Gorman is going to be playing Charles Bludum. Juno Temple is Betty McCart. Colin Hanks is Barry Lapidios. And Patrick Gallo is Mario Puzo. So Nikki... Toscano is going to be the showrunner, and she co-writes with Michael Tolkien. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Dexter Fletcher, Fletcher, Dexter Fletcher directs the first lot of episodes. Um, and on the 28th, you're going to get the first three episodes, people. Then after that, it's on a weekly bah, situation. You know what I mean? So um, it's interesting, right? Certain things come in waves, and Zorro seems to be one of those. Because we know Disney+, Plus, they've got their own Zorro coming. Well, the CW also has their own Zorro. And this one is coming from Robert Rodriguez, which is interesting. But Rodriguez, he, he's making, I feel he signed a deal with Disney recently. Hmm. Actually, it might have been Netflix. I'm talking about my ass people. Yeah, I think I am. Or maybe it was, I don't know. But anyway, he's doing the new Zorro, right? Um, yeah, he's uh, working with his sister, Rebecca Rodriguez. Um, and it's a, it's a gender swap. It's, you know, that's the done thing now. Uh, and so this, yes, this new version follows Sola Dominiquez, a young Latina. Right, the irritating thing about the copy for this, right... It's got a young Latinx. Ugh. It is the stupidest thing. Like Latinx is not a thing. It's not a thing when the language is all set up on he and her. You know what I mean? And if you don't want to he or her, you just say Latino. Yeah, it's a fucking simple thing. Anyway, it follows this young lady who's an underground artist seeking vengeance for her father's murder, who fights for social injustice as Zorro. 
Her life is threatened by several criminal organizations after she exposes them. So uh, there you go, people. There you go. Uh, so what else do we have? Well, if you're a fan of the Arrowverse on CW, then uh, you might be happy to hear that John Diggle is back. So, yes. Um, you know, David Ramsey, you know, everyone talking about the real-life actor. Yeah, he's coming back to play uh, John Diggle in Justice U. So this is a, a drama series um, where Diggle embarks on a new mission to recruit five young metahumans um, to live undercover as freshmen at a prestigious university. And it's supposedly, these aren't new characters. These will be from DC's Pantheon, you know what I mean? Uh, Diggle oversee their education and train them to become the heroes of tomorrow. So uh, Michael Naduki and Zoani Plake are going to write the series um, and executive produce it with Greg Berlantini, Sarah Schrimschner, and David Madden. So, uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, so, Don Cheadle has um, some new work coming, right? Uh, and they're both about um, black historical figures, right? So, he's one's at AMC and the other is at HBO, so at HBO, he is adapting Wesley Lowry's uh, book, They Can't Kill Us All, right? Um, and in this book, Lowry conducted a number of interviews, um, you know, with, with different people, right? Um, yeah, it was around Black Lives Matter and all of that kind of stuff, right? So it's back in 2004, the original, <laughs> not the dumb, dumb version that came about. Uh, so also, uh, Cheadle will be working with Stephen Soddenberg at HBO on The Other Hamilton, which is based on a book by Shane White called Prince of Darkness. So the story of this is about a 19th century Haitian immigrant turned a Wall Street tycoon, Jeremiah Hamilton, who made millions using often illegal methods. So, yes. Um, that's being executive produced by Karine Smith-Forge, Carlos Fogalia, Stephen Bigelman, Ely Holzerman, Aaron Sadman, Ashley Nicole Black, and Keith Joseph Adkins. Uh, so also at HBO, we're getting a new Degrassi series, which is interesting. Because I thought Degrassi was somewhere else, but um, you know. 
HBO paid out a big chunk of money, right, to um, yeah, tell these stories, right? So they yeah, they picked up the the US rights to the 14 seasons of the Grassy the Next Generation. And then from 2023, this new reboot revival they're calling it. It will be coming. 10 episodes that chart several Toronto students and their faculty dealing with major events that both unite and divide them. It's being showrun and executive produced by um Lara Azapardi and Julia Cohen. So, yeah, if you're a fan of the grassy, then you have that. Now, this this has intrigued the fuck out of me because I swear there was a moment when it it was poo-pooed, right? The notion was poo-pooed, but we're getting quantum leap people. Now, now I will say it's just a pilot, right? A pilot has been greenlit, but yeah, it's coming. It's coming. So um yeah, I I I think, you know, um Yeah, you know, it's 30 years since the original series hit which ran from 1989 to 1993. How crazy is that? Right? So what they're saying is a new team has been assembled to restart Project Quantum Leap. Decades after physicist Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into Project Accelerator and vanished. Their aim is to understand the mysteries behind the machine and the man who created it. So uh, yeah. Now Scott Bakula is supposedly going to be in the series as well. Right? So um interestingly enough Donna Belisario is on board, right? He's the original creator of the original series. Uh, so yeah, he's there to um, executive produce. Stephen Lillian and Brian Winbrat are show running a series uh, with Deborah Pratt and Martin Girio also executive producing. So um, yeah, I'm intrigued, people. I am intrigued. Now over at Apple. They've got a new series dropping called Bad Monkey, and uh, a slew of big names have joined the cast of that. So we got Rob Delaney, Anna Villafan, Hamed Hefja, Arturio Luis Sioria. Right, so um, yeah, they've joined um. You know, an already uh, a bunch of uh, talents, right? Meredith, look, Meredith Hagner. Um, yeah, she's in it. Uh, Michelle Monaghan, Jodie Turner-Smith. You know, they're also in it. Um, and it's from uh, Bill Lawrence. 
right? So he's um, written it and he's executive producing, right? So it's based on a book by Carl Hyerson, right, which came out in 2013. Oh, Vince Vaughn is also the lead in it. So he plays a one-time detective denoted to restaurant inspector in southern Florida. A severed arm found by a tourist out fishing falls in, into a seedy underbelly of greed and corruption stretching from the Everglades to the Bahamas. A monkey is involved as well. So, um, yeah, there you go, people. If that sounds intriguing, well, stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. Um, also at Apple, we are getting last days of pot, 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 Right, that will be dropping on the 11th of March, right? Starring Samuel L. Jackson. It's a six episode limited series, right? Um, it's based on a book by Walter Mosley. Uh, in it, Jackson plays an ailing man forgotten by everyone until he's assigned to the care of orphan teenager. Robin, um, Dominic Fistbatch, Fishback will be playing Robin. When they learn about a treatment that can restore Pelotomy's dementia-addled memories, a journey towards shocking truths about the past, present, and future emerge. Yes. So it's also going to be starring Cynthia Key McWilliams, Damon Gupton, Marsha Stephanie Blake, Walter Goggins, and Omar Miller. So, yeah. So, Mosey has written the script and will executive produce. Um, so, the first two episodes will drop. And then after that, a new episode will be out every Friday. It is going to be um, executive produced by Jackson, Diane Huslin, Ramina Bahari, Ellie Seladon, David Levine, and Latanya Richardson. So, uh, yeah, I'm intrigued, people. Now, we've got some Disney Plus news. All right. So, if you enjoyed those are Christmas movies from back in the day, that's Santa Claus. Well, you're getting more because Disney have um, decided to make a limited series which continues the franchise. And old Timmy Boy Allen is back as Scott Calvin. So, Scott is on the brink of his 65th birthday and realizes he can't be Santa forever. He's starting to lose a step in his Santa duties, and he's got a family who could benefit from a life in the normal world, especially his two kids who have grown up 
at Nepal. So he sets out to find a suitable replacement center while preparing his family for a new adventure in a life south of the pole. So, uh, yes, there you go. Jack Burdett is going to be the executive producer and showrunner with um, Alan Kevin Hench, Richard Baker, and Rick Messina, executive producing. So also at uh, Disney Plus and, um, you know, a TV version of a, a popular film. Oh, it's real steel, right? Remember that robot boxing Hugh Jackman, Sean Levy directed? Yes. So, um, yeah, it's coming back, man. It is coming back. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're still kind of, you know, putting all the pieces together. But executive producing will be Levy, Robert Zemakis, Jack Rapick, Jacqueline Levin, Susan Mumford, and Don Murphy. Um, and uh, another Disney Plus series, you know, series spinning out of a film series is National Treasure. So, um, yes, I think we've mentioned this one in the past. We've got a cast. Right? So, Lyndon Smith, Zuri Reed, Jake Austin Walker, Antonio Ciparano, and Jordan Rodriguez. Right? They have joined as season regulars opposite Lizette Alexis. Um, yeah, in this young adult adventure, right? So, um, they're saying it's not a reboot, right, or a sequel, it's an expansion, <laughs> right? So, um, it's unfolding from the point of view of a young Latina heroine, Jess who embarks on the adventure of a lifetime to uncover the truth about her past and her family's connection to a lost Pan-American treasure. So, uh, yeah, there you go, people. There you go. It's being written by uh, Marina, uh, sorry, Marianne and Cormac Wibberley. So, yeah, they wrote the films as well. Uh, Mira Nahr is directing. Jerry Brockheimer, John Turtalino, Jonathan Lippmann, Christiane Reed, Rick Miraguri, and the Whitburys are also executive producing it all. And uh, finally... <laughs> At Disney is um, news and season two of Only Murders in the building. And so Shirley McLean and Amy Schumer have um, joined the cast. Yes. Well, I mean, this is Hulu, but you know, it, it, in the UK, we get it on Disney Plus. So there you go. Um, yeah, so they're joining Martin Short. 
Kara Delavinini, Nathan Lane, Tina Fey. Um, yeah, they're all going to be there. Steve Martin, Sal Selena Gomez. You know, they're all back. They are all back, people. No word on what's actually going down. But, um, yeah, you've got that to look forward to. Um, dun, dun, dun. And let's end with this one, right? So, actually, it's kind of also Disney because it's FX, which, again, you know, is hitting Disney Plus, right? And this, ah, because I love the original, we're getting a new Justified series, people. Yes, it's going to be called Justified City Primeval, and it's a sequel to the original, right? So, um, it's been seven years since the original wrapped up. Boy, feels like it was longer. But anyway, Timothy Oliphant is back as U.S. Marshal Raylan Givens. And um, he's also going to be executive producing the series along with Dave Andron and Michael Diner, who are show running and writing the piece with uh, Graham Yoist. So it is still based on an Elmore Leonard book. The original series was based on fire in the hole while this new one is based on um city primeval high noon in detroit now in that book the protagonist was actually lieutenant raymond cruz but he's being supplanted for raylan kivens which you know it was a popular character right so basically in this one in the new series set eight years later givens is now based in miami and balancing his life as a martial and part-time father to a teen girl a chance encounter on a florida highway sends him to detroit where he crosses paths with clement mansell a.k.a. the Oklahoma Wild Man, a violent sociopath who has already slipped through the fingers of Detroit's finest once and wants to do so again. So, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to that. I'll probably go back and rewatch. well, finish. I don't think I ever finished Justified, but, boy, I really enjoyed the series that I watched. But, uh, yeah, there you go, people. That is us. We are done for another week. We'll see you next week, people. All right? So, until then, peace.